is your ride share an hour overdue? Then it's time to hop aboard the sweetness train. Welcome to the Lollygaggers Podcast. In this episode, Justin talks magic and comedic hitmen, while Jeff ponders the beauty of the Welsh countryside. Both Lollygaggers then break down a quiet place and end the night with the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, welcome to episode three of the Lollygaggers Podcast. Hey, what? What? Say hey, everybody. Say hi. You just interrupted me. Say hi, all okay, the now people. Now I gotta do it again. No, I'm, I, I'm doing okay, the thing. All right, let's start. We start had a fresh. plan. Okay, that's fine. Start, start fresh right here. Okay, like nothing happened. Okay, this, got it. Hey, everybody. Welcome, guys. Hey, on. hey. Okay, so, We're okay. terrible. All right. all right. Welcome to episode number three of the Lollygaggers Podcast. A show about games and movies and TV and all sorts of other geek stuff. I am your host, or one of them anyway, Jeff. I'm the other host, Justin. Mm-hmm. The other host, Justin. Yeah, hey, yeah, man. yeah. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, it's going great. How are you? I'm good. How's your week? Uh, it's It's been a week. Yeah, it's yeah. been good. It's, it's been busy, 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 busy. Uh, watched a lot of TV. Uh, haven't really played a ton of games. I, uh... uh... I, I've been working way too hard, way too much. There's I doubt things... either of those things are true. No, I think I'm actually. I know you pretty on. well, sir. No, I've been working. I have this tutoring thing that I'm doing, and it's mm-hmm. great, and I'm having a good time with it. And I have nine clients now. I'm working on my tenth, and I'm making great money. I have like money in bank accounts. And it's really nice, but like, I don't know if I'm working too much or working the proper amount. I should have been working the whole time, but like, true. It's it's good. Like I, I enjoy it. But How is this so interfering with your nap game? It's rough, man. You know, I got one in a day, and it was a good one. But, mm-hmm. you know, my bed's always screaming my name, like, every single day. And I got, I got to make sure I stay rested. I got to make sure that I, I practice my naps. Otherwise, you fall out of practice, and you don't do it right. You get ready for that now, big game. Now, what kind of naps, or how long are your naps normally? Average nap, hour 15. That's, that's a decent one. That's a long nap. Yeah, That's, they're great. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is this is uh, my life. I, I occasionally take naps, but like maybe twenty minutes, maybe. maybe. I'm a professional napper. Um, That's so what it seems like. Different than a, your than normal you. napper. Like, mm-hmm. it's important that I I study for this, that I work hard at this, because you never know when the big day is going to come. Yep. You know. That's so true. That's true. That's there what is I work towards. Probably a professional league somewhere. Yeah. So that's what I'm here for. All right, so in between your naps, did you get any uh, any games in? You played anything this week? So I played, uh, I got into the stress test beta of the Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering Arena, which is their new online component. Wow. I'm a, How did you get naps in with, you know, all the excitement I'm sure you're, you're experiencing? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, it's like a lightning coming out of my computer. Uh, I so I've been into Magic for years, ever since I was a kid. Um, I play so like a week or two ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not okay. mentally, I mean physically. Uh, uh okay, okay. But I'm into magic ever since I was a child. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, it's one of those things that stri- that flexes my mind. It's always funny. Like, I'm a football coach, I'm a wrestling coach, I've done this, and then I tell people like, "Hey, I play Magic: The Gathering. What's that? It's like Pokemon." They're like, "What?" And like, yeah. <laughs> so like. There's this new online component to it. It's called Magic the Gathering Arena, and they're trying to come out with it. It is literally a carbon copy of Hearthstone. <laughs> it's okay. not, they're not even like taking... Like the interface and everything? All it is the same. almost exactly the same. You can tap on the on the board like you do. 
I don't think like little interactions happening if you tap too much. You know what I mean? Because you know, like you tap in the corners, like little things happen in Hearthstone. But like you can tap all over the the screen. The way you like go through cards and stuff, the animations all literally exactly the same. Um, it's just in Magic: The Gathering format. Like it's to the point where I wonder how they're not getting like copyright infringement. Yeah. But, but is it still it still plays like actual magic, right? I mean 100%. I used to play magic yeah. like way back in like when it first started, like mid to late nineties I was actually playing, but I haven't really played I never yeah. really played a ton, maybe like a year. It uh, plays exactly like it. There's no like misstep in what's going on. It's so streamlined, so well done. My brother was I was talking to my brother about it, he's like, Well, how are you gonna deal with like because there's instant play, we can play play uh cards on your opponent's turn, like there's no like it's not clunky at all. It's very streamlined, very clean. Everything's very easy to understand. So I was very pleased with how they did that. Um, to get cards, basically, you can either it's like regular Magic. You can pay to win if you want. It's like Hearthstone. Same Is thing. it so? It's still got like the collectible quality yeah. to it. Like so you like buy just a in pack Hearthstone, and there's random stuff in it. Yeah, I think each pack like I think it's seven cards, um, and you get a couple commons, a couple uncommons, and then you get one random card. That random card is usually a rare, and you don't know what it is, and then you flip it over. That's the excitement of the whole thing. And then, Ooh. like, you can also get wild cards, and these wild cards you can exchange for any other card. So, like, say I get a wild card that is a rare. I can then go through the library of all the cards and replace that wild card with any rare card that I want. That's so, cool. like, it's better RNG than real-life RNG when you keep on opening up packs and don't get what you want. Yeah, there's like so, some mitigation yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's a really cool, interesting thing they do. Um, you can gain cards every time you get a win. You get a random card. There's daily challenges. There's weekly challenges to get packs and cards and stuff like that. Then you can also every time you get a win, you earn a certain amount of gold. That gold, a thousand gold pieces, go towards a new pack. And then you can also do the old-fashioned way of I'm gonna drop X amount of money and get all the packs I want. So like. You can actually do real life exchanges, um, cool. but uh, it's a really solid setup so far. Um, I've seen no problem with lag during the stress test stuff. I've played probably about, I'd say thirty games because games can be quick, and if they're not going your way, you can just dump right. real quick all you want. Sure, there's like a ranking system as you go up, and if you leave, you lose a rank and stuff like that. But like, it makes it really easy to go through and play these games. As a guy who's super into Magic, this is what I'm going to put it all into now. Like, I'm going to get yeah. rid of my physical collection. And when this right. comes out, I'm going 100% into this. Because it's just more logistically sound for me as a guy who doesn't have the time to go out and do that type of stuff that I can right. do it from the comfort of my own home. And I'm sure eventually there will be an app on the like, uh, phone and stuff like that. So, Do you know when the stress test is, when they're going to go live with it all? Like when it's, when it's out of beta or whatever it's in So there? the way it looks like, uh, standard rotation rotates out here in a couple months or in a month or so. They're not allowing... So, Standard has a certain number of sets of cards. They've excluded the last set of cards, basically hinting towards the fact that when New Standard rotates in, that's when they'll open up this game. So Because okay. they don't have the old the old set of Standard stuff in. So, like, basically there's this cutoff part, and so when that new set comes in, you see basically where it starts at. And so I'd say probably about two months it's going to be out. Okay. And when it's out, I'll be playing it all the time. It's just... I just enjoy that stuff, but Magic the Gathering Arena coming soon to a uh, app store near you, probably. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Jeff, what have you been up to? Any games? All and right. Stuff? So, I want to talk about an older game, board game that I played uh, and I own. 
and I love. It's Battleship. a little game called Connect Four. No, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> no, it's called Terra Mystica. Uh, if I've if seen this a, on your shelf, I'm yes, kidding. it's uh, it's a very big blue box, and there's another smaller box which is his expansion, which is why I'm actually talking about it right now. Uh, but it's an older ter territory control board game. It's from 2012. Uh, oh, I can't remember the designers. Jens Drogenmuller and Helga Ostertag. They sound like super German. I think that's like we have we have levels. I think so. They're like a level seven. Do German Germans name, like maybe. only make board games? Do the only people make board games? It sure seems that way from all stuff I've heard. Uh, there is a there is a healthy yeah. There's definitely a healthy uh, population now. Every year uh, in October, there is a one of the, the largest uh, gaming conventions in the entire world is called Spiel, and it's held in Essen, uh, which is a city in Germany. So, uh, it's Spiel, it's it's yes. I mean, you don't say it the way you said it. You say it like a oh. person Spiel. Okay, uh, but uh, yeah, it's that's in Essen. So, I mean, yeah, Germany's they they love their board games. Uh, so anyway, this is a territory control game. It's set in kind of a, a magical land that uh, has all sort of fantasy races and factions that jockey for control over hexagonal spaces. Um, so there's like witches, that's a faction. And there's, um, there's like mermaids, they like lakes, witches like forests, dwarves like mountains, etc. cetera. Uh, and the game is not so much about like warfare. So you don't develop troops or magicians you don't fight each other you don't actually ever kill one another the game is all about terraforming the land so that it shifts to your type of land so if something was a swamp you you try and you're a witch you want to terraform that to a forest and in doing so you'll be able to build on top of it so it's all about terraforming land building buildings on top of that land so it's it's, it's not very confrontational and most of the con game like the confrontation between players in the game is, is really about blocking people. So like blocking them off from being able to, to kind of expand outward from their home, you know, their home base to, to other territories or fighting over different locations, stuff like that. So it's, it's a Euro game in the sense that it's, it's very um, deterministic. There's no crazy randomness. There's no cards that you're drawing. There's no dice that you're rolling. The only randomization really is, at the beginning when you decide like what are the round bonuses for the game and what um, are the, the, the specific drafted uh, powers that you can get every round. So that's the only stuff. But once you know that they're in game, it's highly, highly deterministic. So you, there's no real randomness to it, which is one of the reasons I kind of like it actually. I've had this game for a really long time. It was one of the first board games uh, my wife and I ever bought, and she actually bought it for me, and I was going back and forth on where to get it, because at that time we were playing only really just the two of us. Um, and here and there we play with some of the group. We didn't really have kind of a formal gaming group yet or anything like that. Uh, but she bought it. I really loved it. And then a couple of years ago, they came out with an expansion for it called Fire and Ice. And Fire and Ice added a couple more factions, including one of my favorites, uh, which are the Gettys. But they also have Ice Maidens, Acolytes, Dragon Lords, River, uh, what the hell are they called? River Walkers and Shapeshifters. Now I'm bringing it up right now because just like last week, uh, when I was talking about Xenoshift, um, Terra Mystica also has an app. Uh, and so a lot of the times when I can't play, you know, with the, when, my, when my board game group isn't meeting during the week or when my, my wife's out of town or when we're just, just too busy, um, I like to get my board game fix in through either Steam uh, or just through, you know, Google Play on my Android phone. Uh, and so kind of the recent news, the only real news that kind of came this week is that the expansion is actually now available in the app. And so I've been able to actually get on Steam and play through Terra Mystica. I can play solo. The AI is okay. It's not great. Um, 
if you're if you're a seasoned Terra Mystica player, I don't think you're really going to have too much trouble beating the AI. Um, if you're brand new to Terra Mystica, I think it does actually a pretty good job of teaching you the mechanics of the game, not necessarily the strategies, because strategies do kind of vary depending upon which rate, which factions are in play, which bonuses are in play, and that type of thing. Um, but I, it's again, it's one of those types of things where I can play it when no one else is around. I can play it by myself. I don't have to get you know three or four people together. Um, the other thing is with Terra Mystica, it's not the greatest two-player game because it's Terra Mystica is all about um, kind of getting in each other's way, uh, like building right next to one another. You get all these bonuses, uh, not just bonuses, but you get access to certain abilities and resources that you wouldn't normally get if you weren't building next to somebody or they weren't building next to you. Uh, and so sometimes in a two-player game, it's hard to really get in each other's way. Uh, and so you kind of have to change the board a little bit, kind of reduce the size so that you're forcing player interaction in some way. So in the app, I'm able to kind of play with other people. There is a multiplayer component. You can play with other people. Uh, I've had some some good experiences and some poor experiences. It really depends upon you know the players themselves. Some people disconnect or things go wrong. Some people just quit. So it's just how it is with any sort of matchmaking game. Uh, but yeah, Terra Mystica, it's one of my longtime favorites. There is a new version of Terra Mystica called Gaia Project which is space, it's just set in space, and it's the same system, same designers. They just kind of changed it a little bit because the game is, at this point, about six years old. Um, but I still really like Terra Mystica. It's a really good game, and there's a nice, uh, whenever there's the, whenever the games I like that are board games are available to me on Steam or on, on Android, uh, I usually grab them up because it's a way to play them when, you know, during the week or something like that when I wouldn't normally get to play them. Uh, so that's Terra Mystica. Uh, in the Terra Mystica app, the Fire and Ice expansion is now available. Again, Steam, App Store, Google Play. Uh, I think all three of them have it, and it's only a couple, only a couple of bucks for Terra Mystica. Oh man, sounds pretty good. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll look into myself. Okay. So, um, next for me, I went on HBO this week and saw that a uh, new TV show starring Bill Hader called Barry. Yeah, yeah, I saw this too. Now, I heard I nothing about it. this for a while, but then I saw the preview. I'm like. I'm into this. Yeah. So, uh, uh, dark, Barry, kind of comedic. Yeah. 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 Super dark. Barry is written and directed and starring Bill Hader. It's pretty much a Bill Hader project. The other people working with him haven't been in a ton of stuff, and he basically has directed most of the episodes. There's been a couple people who did the other episodes, but like he's been the, the main top billing director. But, um, basically, Barry, uh, stars Bill Hader, Stephen Root, and, uh, Henry Winkler? Uh, Steven Root is uh, is Milton from yeah. like, The Office Space. Office like Space, top yeah. five movie of all time yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, he's the heavy teammate Deepler guy. He's that guy. Um, yes, he is that guy. And uh, Henry Winkler is uh, is uh, Fonzie. So, uh, the bear? Uh, no, no. Uh, 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 Fonzie. I know. Happy, happy days. I know. Waka, waka, waka. Uh, so... Uh, Basically, the idea is he's a hitman who's basically dejected by his job. He hates it. It's just numb to him now. He sees no thrill in it. He, he has a very small moment in the show where he basically gives his entire backstory and isn't terribly forced. And the way they do it's very interesting and in what the outcome of it is. So basically, he was like an Iraqi vet, and then he came home, or Afghani vet, and came home, and he had nowhere to stay, nowhere, nothing to do, he didn't feel, fit in for anything. So basically, someone hired him in to be a hitman, and he does a really good job at it, and he, he just doesn't like it, but he's really like good Like off of Craigslist or something? Or? I guess he, he just had a friend, it was a friend of his father's, 
said he could he could get him a work work he can get him work and so the work he gave him was being a hitman and so uh basically he gets a hit set up by some chechnians the chechnians send him after a guy as he's going after this guy he goes into a uh basically like a drama facility where they uh, practice theater and stuff and as he's going there he sees a, a woman who's practicing her lines he goes in witnesses the whole thing like the whole uh class class runs by is run by uh, Henry Winkler and sees them acting he's very interested by it but also kind of like confused because he's got a very weird like monotone feel to his life he seems almost dead inside and then he goes and he helps so his his hit needed help with his lines someone to stand there and so his hit did a scene from uh, the Gary Oldman movie where he has dreads what's that movie called again Gary Oldman with dreads. Where he's like, he's like some type of like gangster. Long time ago, True Romance, True Romance. Oh God, yeah. So oh, that's a good movie. Too. His hit yeah. does a monologue from True Romance, and it's terrible. And but he's helping him out, so then he becomes. He just gets involved in this whole thing, and uh, stuff goes wrong. He starts wanting to become an actor, uh, and so basically he wants to leave his life as a hitman. And become an actor and a bunch of stuff goes wrong bad things happen it's a very very dry show very dry i needed a glass of water when i was done that's how dry <laughs> but uh we did a laugh is... track we should get a laugh track and just start doing that when the <gasps> funny. i was like the ones go Woo! those two uh <laughs> but uh i loved it i thought it was great cool. uh, the writing's very good um i'm really curious to see where things go it's so dry though like it's it's a desert dry (laughs) but it's really really good bill Hader does a fantastic job he's a very he's playing the straight man he's not like stefan from snl which is one of my favorite characters of all time but he does an amazing job uh steven root does a great job too and henry winkler is fantastic i mean the -hmm. guy is unappreciated i think to say the least for what the man can do like he does a great job and so i'm looking forward to watching the rest of it um i saw i watched the preview for the season and it seems it's gonna be very exciting and fun mixed with just terribly dry humor i'm looking forward to it so that's barry you can see it on hbo i think it's their normal uh friday night or sunday sunday night uh, uh roundup it's a 30 minute show so it's good you can Get in, get out, and you don't have to waste too much time. And it's it's a really good show. So. I think they're pairing it with Silicon Valley for like yeah. half an hour. Yeah. They do that stuff. They have like these waves. Like when this wave is over, Westworld comes out. Westworld will have something with it too. So, yeah. So that's Barry. So how about All you, right. Jeff? Did you watch anything this week? Yes, I did actually. Uh, we watched a sh- a show on Netflix uh, called Requiem. It's it's actually a like a mini series. It's six episodes long. At all? Yeah. It uh, it popped up uh, I think in February on my kind of yeah. You should watch this because you like this, and you know by the dissociative property the of this, you, you probably like this. Yeah. Uh, but they actually were right about this, so so good job Netflix algorithm developers. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a mini series. It's only six episodes long. Um, each episode is roughly an hour. 
Uh, it's on Netflix. It's, I think is originally a BBC one production and it's got a bunch of actors you're probably going to be familiar with. If you watch any other kind of UK television or BBC type stuff, it's got, uh, the, so the lead actress is Matilda Gray. It's also got a guy named Richard Harrington, who is in a different show I've watched on Netflix called Hinterlands. It's got Joel Fry. And I think he actually had a small role in Game of Thrones at some point. Um, so the main character is Lydia Gray, who is late 20s, maybe 30. I can't remember exactly what her age was, uh, but she is a cellist uh, who has hit it big in London. And she is pondering like a big run of concerts over in New York. Um, so she's thinking about just leaving London with her, her partner, uh, her musical partner and, and going over to New York. Um, she's a single child. She was raised by a single mom. And before she's able to commit to the New York gig, um, she, her mother actually commits a shocking and really bizarre suicide. This all happens really early, by the way. So I'm not, I'm not, it's, I think it's actually in the description of the show. Um, and then while she goes through her mother's possessions, um, her mother had left a box out on her bed that had all sorts of news clippings about a missing girl from a Welsh village. Uh, and it was like a kidnapping or a disappearance that happened 23 years ago. And it's never been solved. They've never found that girl. And so Matilda feels like a compulsion to try to understand what her mother's connection was to this. Like, why did she have this box of information? What role did she play in this? What the heck is this about? Um, and so on the, on the suggestion of her musical partner, um, who's Joel Fry's character, he, uh, he suggests they go to the village and try to look into it. Like, what the hell does this have to do with it? Because there's these photographs. Maybe we track down some of the people in the photographs. And all of this happens within the first 15 to 20 minutes of the show. Now, over the course of the first episode and even further in, it gets kind of stranger and stranger because in addition to her mother committing suicide, there was kind of this rich, um, this rich guy who was in the town, was fairly well known and potentially possibly involved somewhat uh, in the disappearance of the girl 23 years ago. And he owns this really big old mansion. He also possibly kills himself or just has an accidental death and at roughly the same time. So when they show up in this town, the town's kind of grieving uh, for this guy, there's there's a funeral going on. Uh, his little known heir has come from Australia. And so the heir and Matilda and her, her musical partner, the three of them all kind of meet up and hang out in this really big house together. Um, and they start to investigate just what the heck's going on. Now, I'll say this, that on the surface, that might sound not like the most interesting thing. It's just like a basic mystery, but there's it's, there's way more to it because it's not just like a basic mystery. It gets really creepy. There's all sorts of supernatural elements. There's all sorts of religious iconography. There's like, like angelic and demonic type stuff that kind of come into play in these weird, subtle ways. Uh, when I was watching it, I thought of Rosemary's Baby, um, if you've ever seen that movie, or uh, one of my one of my favorite podcasts uh, was is the Black Tapes, uh, which is a, a fictional podcast from uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest Stories. Um, and so, and they all have this kind of weird, you know, religious undertone, but not like a wholesome, happy, you know, let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya type, but like this real kind of unsettling thing that starts to go on beneath it. Um, and so the whole show, it's, again, it's only six episodes long and I'm not spoiling any of what's, what happens. Like, I, I, I don't want to do that because it is a mystery show. And a lot of the mysteries that are uncovered, part of them, there's, you know, it's just, it's just relationship related. Like there's certain characters who are keeping secrets from their loved ones or from their friends or, uh, and other characters are keeping like really deep, dark secrets. And then there's this, this under underbelly of strangeness, uh, that's, that's happening with certain groups in the town. 
Um, it's just another one of those slow burn shows. And I love that term and I love those types of shows, but it has like a crazy denouement. Like the stuff that happens at the end is it gets really, really strange. And like one of the reasons I really like the show is because I'm increasingly looking for TV shows that have like finite stories. Like they have a beginning they have a middle and they have an end. And I know that if I get into it, I can get to the end relatively quickly. And so this is a six, six episode mini season of miniseries. And so it took us a week. We watched it in a week. We watched like one or two episodes a night. Uh, we were hooked. Uh, again, it's kind of slow. Um, I didn't always like the main character, but I also don't think I was always supposed to like the main character. Uh, but it was, it was a beautiful town with those dark seedy underbellies. You know, it's like one of those types of setups. Um, it was like hot fuzz in a way, but without the jokes. Uh, and what's what good is it then? All the other stuff. That so, was really oh, good. okay, okay. Does, does so, the show have like, does it pay off? Is it worth yes, the whole? Yes, I think it totally pays off. I think it totally okay. pays off. Right. I, I definitely do. I because really th that is a big problem with all these shows now. Like, we have a great premise, and then mm -hmm. the first season's over. Like, okay, what do we do now? And yeah. I think it's good when they have like these things where it's like, I, we have a beginning, middle, and end. We know what's going to happen, and we don't need to kind of fudge the in betweens. Let's mm -hmm. know what we're doing each yeah. episode. Like, we don't need filler episodes. We just yeah. tell you story that we want to tell you and i really really like that um, yeah like the last season of game of thrones you felt like you had to watch every single second of that show to really appreciate every part of it so like i like when a show overall gives you that kind of feeling it's like this is important to watch to make sure i'm, yeah. I'm being involved i definitely recommend it it is a little creepy at times uh and there there's there's scariness in it in it that i think will unsettle people i really do it's not like gross scary it's just sort of like that's kind of kind of uncomfortable um, in a way. So, uh, but definitely recommend it. It's called Requiem. It's on Netflix right now. You can stream it at your leisure. Uh, all right. Anything else? Anything else for this week? A little piece got? of news. Um, right. I was going across the Reddit's uh, like I do every second that I have downtime on my phone, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and I saw a little thing about. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of this. I'm sure you probably were. That Amazon owns the rights to the Lord of the Rings and they're making a TV show? Yes, I have heard this, yeah. Wow. So, I didn't know a ton about it, but I, I saw a headline saying that they're going to spend a billion dollars on it. Sure. A billion dollars on five seasons. So, sure. let's put this in perspective, okay? The original Lord of the Rings that came out in 2001, I believe. Okay. The total cost of all three movies was $281 million, Okay. All three movies. And they are my favorite movies of all time. They are the perfect trilogy. Most people, mm -hmm. Many people like uh, Star Wars. I'm a Lord of the Wings guy. I love that those movies. They're just so good. Um, okay. I, can, I, can spend, I can spend 16 hours watching all those movies in one day and not feel like I've, I've wasted a day. Right? That's how I feel. I, I would think you probably wasted the day, but that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about me. My brother told me that there's this place over in Colorado. There, there are these theaters called the Alamo, Alamo Draft House. I don't know if they have them in Arizona. Sounds actually familiar, but then again, my sister also lives in Colorado. Yeah. So, so they, they, they have like from. an open bar and everything. It's like a full draft house. Plus, it's a theater that you can sit down and have food and stuff, right? They offer, like it's a two or three day event where you it's a two day event one day is the hobbit one day is uh lord of the rings where they give you like the normal nine portions a hobbit eats in a day and you have to you can sit and watch the whole movies and eat all the food there it's like a flat fee you do that i would love to do that at least once so 
Sure. That's how much of a Hobbit fan I am. So, so with, anyway, with this Amazon Lord of the Rings thing, I actually think that they pitched this to HBO at some point. And they I said no. They, and they said no, obviously, because they came with Thrones, right? So No, it was uh, no because the bidding war got too high and they weren't willing oh, to... I, I read this up. They weren't willing to take the chance because they bought it for a quarter of a million, a quarter of a billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And so now they're saying they're going to spend a billion dollars on production. Peter Jackson's not involved. It's five seasons, and they honestly don't. And there's been no reveal yet as to what the subject matter will be about. Yeah. Whether it's going to be something like that video game that came out to. or whatever. I feel like the best place to look for it is the time between when the ring was discovered by by bilbo yeah in the hobbit and when the lord of the rings transpires like those in those yeah, interim like years. 50 years or whatever that goes by yeah but okay. like it's to me it's just insane that we've gotten to that point where they're now spending a billion dollars on a show for five seasons so essentially $200 million per season. One season of that show costs almost as much as the original three movies all put together. That's nuts. I'm going to f- watch it. I'm, I got Amazon Prime. I'm going to watch it. Uh, plus, I'm a, ch- a giant Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm going to try it. But they've put themselves under quite the eight ball, I'd say. The, I, I just I, I don't see how you get out of this on top. But that's, that's a rough situation. But maybe it'll be the greatest thing ever made. Who knows, but... Uh, Maybe. I thought that was a really interesting little tidbit coming out. So, mm-hmm. that's a, a thing that I learned this week. How about you? Cool. All right, so I got a Kickstarter for you. And I, and I know I know what you're going to say, Jeff. Stop, <laughs> stop talking about Kickstarter. Uh, but this one... No, no, seriously. This one, okay. I put the link in the show notes. I really think you should look at it. Uh, this one's called Graphic Novel Adventures. It's by Van Ryder Games. Uh, it is a Even fascinating project. Yes. So it's kind of a mixture of choose your own adventure, old school novels, if you remember those types of things, an RPG, okay, like an actual RPG game where you develop a character, you level up, you get items, etc., and a uh, in a graphic novel, right, a comic book. So think of what those old school kind of choose your own adventure games were, but then instead of having it just be full text, actually make it a series of comic, you know, comic panels, right? And so that's what they're doing. It's called Graphic Novel Adventures. It's up on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it's got it's a time of recording, sixteen more days. So it goes to the goes to is it April twenty third? Um, now, if you're familiar with board games, I, I would compare this to something like Time Stories, but it's solo. Um, and if it's if you're familiar with video games, if, the, if you're a video game player, I would liken it sim- somewhat to the Telltale video game series. So like Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us, which is my favorite of those, um, where you're having a variety of encounters, social interactions, puzzle interactions, etc. And based upon the decisions you make, uh, that will affect the story in some way. So the choices that you're making actually impact it. And much like old school choose your own adventure type games, like where, okay, I make this decision, turn to page, turn to this page, or I make that decision, turn to that page, there's a similar mechanic here. Um, and so a lot of these cells are kind of numbered in some way, or they have little things in the pictures that you have to try to try to find, like little hidden numbers here and there. And based upon the number you select, you might go to a different cell. Um, and I find that really, really fascinating. Uh, and it's also, they're also got some RPG elements. So at the very beginning of one of these books, and they are books, they're bound like books, 
um, you get to create a character, much like you do in an RPG. So you have a couple stats, like strength and dex, et cetera, like, you know, uh, health points, whatever. Uh, then you start turning the pages and you engage with all sorts of different things. So there's puzzles, uh, there's clues, there's little kind of hidden things that you have to find on the page. Sometimes there's combat. Um, and it's a solo game. And one of the things they mentioned on the Kickstarter is that it's a game, like, this is makes me really interested, is a game that you can play on, like, a on a plane. Like, you're on a plane, you got your tray table down, and you're looking for something to do, and you don't always want to have your phone out, or you don't want to burn your battery on your laptop, or whatever. And it's just the perfect type of game that you can clearly play on that, which is really fascinating. Now, the Kickstarter is, it has five books up there. There's Captive, which is kind of like a detective story in a way, uh, or like a kidnap story, I should say. Uh, there's Tears of a Goddess. Um, there's, I don't know how to, I think it's Lou Garou uh, or Loop Garou. It's a werewolf story. So you're basically a werewolf. Then there's Your Town, which is a Western. And then there's a Sherlock Holmes themed book. Um, and there's a couple different pledge levels on Kickstarter. So if you want to go all in and get all five, you can spend 75 bucks and you get all five of those. Uh, or if you just, if you're not quite willing, or you don't like all of those themes, you can just pick one of them for 19 bucks, or you can pick two of them for 34. Um, I should mention that they are solo. I might've already said that, but I should stress, like, this isn't the type of game that you necessarily play with somebody else. I do feel like we could, my wife and I could probably play this together if we really wanted to and make decisions together, just like any, any other co-op game will. Uh, but it's, it's meant to be played solo. It's a solo game. That's how they're, they're booking it uh, or billing it, I should say on the Kickstarter. So. If you're a fan of graphic novels, uh, which you are, Justin, uh, or you like choose your own adventure books, or you like RPGs, if you've ever played a Telltale video game or Time Stories or anything like that, this might be something you're interested in. Like, I, I, well, I, I'm, are I'm you looking, looking at, at it? stuff? I'm, I'm yeah. looking at it. Okay. The art is all unique and interesting. I like. Yes, it. every single every single book has its own sort of style. And then right? they're legit books. And, and they were legit books. Exactly. It looks pretty good. It's it's fascinating, life. right? From it's my from my world yeah. of fandom, yeah, the art is all good, and all the yeah. art's different, yes, and uh, all very different types of stories. And so, like mm -hmm. the one that's most intriguing to me is the captive one. It looks pretty good. Yeah, even the, even the cover of the captive looks really really good. So yeah, captive was cool. I like this the look of the wood. Interests well. me yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, ninety like bucks it. for one, thirty four bucks for two, or seventy five bucks for the full. Uh, for the press that's van rider games they they have has some experience making solo games too like uh they have a game uh i think it's called hostage negotiator i've never played it but i've heard great things i don't really play a lot of solo board games but um i heard great things about it but this is really really interesting so i thought this was the perfect type of thing to bring up uh because it kind of bridges some of our interests so gaming more yeah. gaming and, and graphic novels but again graphic novel adventures by van rider games is up on kickstarter until the 23rd of april check it out if you're interested all right, uh, we have rambled on for way too long, my friend. I feel like it's time that we uh, go be productive and break something down, right? Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead okay. over the break now. It's the movie. Breakdown. All right, so the breakdown for this week was A Quiet Place, a film that just released uh, on April 6th, I think, uh, to theaters all across the U.S. Uh, it is a 2018 horror thriller starring Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, uh, who also directs. It's set roughly in modern day, but the world has been invaded by these monstrous predators that have been hunting down humans, and they have a very keen sense of sound. So entire countries, nearly the whole world, 
They've all been destroyed by these creatures, yet the focus of the movie is actually far more intimate. It follows the Abbott family. So Blunt and Grzynski, they're the parents of this family. They have three, soon to be four children. Uh, nearly 500 days after the, after the appearance of these creatures, the Abbott family has in this time developed a system to avoid making sound because any type of sound could potentially attract uh, these predators and cause them to die, right? Cause the family to die. And so they're hiding out within their farmhouse uh, and that system that they have, all these different systems, these, sec these, these security uh, systems that they have in place, it's put to the test uh, as the creatures lurk around the property and it force, forces both Blunt and Krasinski to go to great lengths to protect their family, including the baby that is on the way. Uh, so we're going to do our best, again, not to spoil much, but as with any sort of breakdown and review, we're bound to say a few things here and there. But at the very least, if we do decide to spoil something big, we'll give you warning. Uh, so tune into our breakdown of A Quiet Place. All right, Justin, what you think? I absolutely love this movie. Um, cool. I'd say you're welcome. You're I'd welcome. Say, you're welcome. I looked at it. I, looked at it. I, looked at it. I don't think so, buddy. I don't um, think so. It this was my idea. My top, idea to review it for the podcast. Top right? five fan or sci-fi movies I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. I cannot say enough about how much I love this movie. When it was done from start to finish, it is a complete turnaround from last week's. <laughs> what? It's just what? So the good. Titan crushes this movie. Are you kidding? There's, there's reasons why. Okay, so it links to. It. So first of all, I loved it. Second thing. The lack of dialogue in this film and visual mm -hmm. storytelling in this film are phenomenal. Right, because what we should say is that the vast majority of conversations between characters is done so through sign language. Sign language. So, yeah, there's a few things. First thing that I noticed, which kind of took me off a little bit, when they're in the store, the opening scene, and the daughter's talking to the youngest son, I thought that there was a mess up with the sound. I mm -hmm. thought someone screwed it up. I'm like, this is a high production film, and someone screwed it up. Right. And once they reveal, and it's not a spoiler, they reveal that she's deaf, mm -hmm. it blew my mind. I'm like, that's one of the smartest storytelling ways you could have done that, that she can't hear. So when you're singing from her perspective, you can't hear. It was okay. so good. Um, yeah. My wife then revealed to me, yeah, I saw the thing on her ear when, it's, when the movie started. And I'm like, I yeah, it was pretty obvious. Uh, yeah. I didn't notice it, but yeah. I thought it was great. Um, I thought, even though they're married... John Krasinski and Emily Blunt had phenomenal, phenomenal chemistry. Sometimes you worry that like a married couple won't work well together in a movie, but like they you were do? great. I, I, there's been times where you, have, you just you worry about like it's blaringly obvious. I like, think they'll be fine, but that they'll break up shortly thereafter. That's that's. I don't think that's the case for these two because they did so good. It's just so weird. It's, it's fantastic. One of the things, John Krasinski was Jim from the U.S. Uh, his version of yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Office, right? And one of the things I always thought he was amazing at in The Office was facial expressions. Like yeah. conveying these really subtle facial expressions at times. It's, it's a movie designed for that. And this is like exactly that, except they're not funny facial expressions. They're like, oh my gosh, the pain and stress that this this father is under is unreal. Uh, and so, yeah, John he Krasinski, he talks well too, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's got the kind of face that really can convey a lot, uh, like a whole range of emotions. Uh, so I definitely agree with you on there, yeah. Um, when you're comparing to like the Titan and oh, what, God, let's not. Uh, what's his face, uh, who was the... Uh, Jake Sully from Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. When you compare to that voiceless acting to this voice, it's night and day. It's like have a guy oh, stare at the yeah, camera, have a guy uh, show you that he's dying inside emotionally. Like it's okay. just. I get what you're saying, but in all fairness, yeah, Sam Worthington had a, a bunch of prosthetics and, and I get that, but like it's just so different. Um, the, I thought the ending was a great ending. Um, I always worry about movies like this if the ending's rushed, if it doesn't make sense, if it's kind of a you know if if the events that transpire don't meld together well. But I thought every conflict that was involved in the movie was great. The beginning conflict did not at all go the way I thought it was going to go mm-hmm. and really sets the tone for the movie. Yeah. Um, really sets it. Yeah, um, there's a pretty shocking moment within the yeah. first five minutes. So we won't say what it is, but it's yeah. pretty It's pretty. Cool. And it's... it's and, and that moment is what defines the rest of the movie, right? So what I, lo- what I love about the movie is, yes, there's weird alien space creatures that can hear you and you're going to die if you talk. But it's more about the emotional response to that event. Like, the son is scared. Yeah. The daughter feels uh, angry. She feels like her father doesn't love her. Yeah. So she's angry. The mother feels guilty, right? She feels guilty for the the event that transpired in the beginning of the movie. And then the father... It's just doing the best to keep it all together. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, right. they did a great job of telling that story. And meanwhile, it's all with maybe one page of dialogue. One. Even when you add up all of, like, the sign language, it's maybe one page of dialogue. Yeah. And it's just, it's so good. Krasinski is amazing. Yeah. I, I am on the Krasinski bandwagon. I'm going to go watch all of his old movies. I'm going back to Leatherheads. I'm watching Leatherheads. I remember watching a movie that I think he directed that reminded me a little bit of Garden State. I totally forget the name of it right now. Uh, but it was one of those, like, he came home, his mother's dying. I can't remember the name. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it was pretty solid. Like, it was a solid, just a little family, family dramedy. Like, nothing nothing particularly crazy or off the wall. Um, but uh, the woman from uh, from Pitch Perfect is in it. And uh, it was a pretty solid movie, too. So, I think he directed that, too, because he does direct this. Yeah, and like I'd say, he also wrote this. He 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 helped adapt the screenplay. Yeah, he has a writing credit. Yeah. So he 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 wrote, direct, and started. It like it's it's just mm-hmm. like when I'm talking about Bill Hader this week. Like, there's a bit of a uh, of a connection there. Like my, I have one complaint about the whole movie. There's only just one complaint, and and we'll get into if you got any more complaints about it because I'm curious to know what your full side mm-hmm. of it is. Mm-hmm. My only complaint is. The reliance on too many jump scares. That's about it. Like, there's jump scares, and I get it. There's going to be jump scares. There are a couple. There are a couple. Yeah. yeah. But I thought the most intriguing parts were when you just saw something like walking around in the background. You know what I mean? Or it wasn't right. like it wasn't because people get startled if it's dead quiet, and someone goes, "Heh," it's going to. Which it often is in this movie, but yeah, the way. <laughs> the, and that's going to happen. But like the thought, stuff quiet, I thought it was better was like was very quiet. My theater. Oh my god, I I didn't expect it, but like the first off, it was packed house. And there was like a, ver- a non-verbal contract that said, when there's no sound in this movie, everybody shut up. And it was so quiet in the theater. I think that's actually something they say at the very beginning of the movie, though. Like, the, like, like the, the theater has that little thing, like, everyone be quiet. Like, stop ruining the movie for everybody else. Yeah, so that's yeah. my thoughts. What did you think about it? I thought it was good. I thought it was very good. Um, 
I, I'm not as enamored with it as you are. Uh, I definitely don't think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, uh, but I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was very, very good. It's about what I was, it was, it's definitely what I was hoping for going in. Going in, I had like kind of an expectation for what it would be and it's and it delivered. So it, to me, it satisfied everything I was looking for. Um, I, I do have some, I, you know, I have some complaints about it, mainly because I feel, I don't feel like you, like everything made sense. Uh, I disagree with you. I actually think that if you think about what the threat of these these creatures were, and you think about the various ways, there was a lot of inconsistency over the type of noise and sound that they could hear, where they could hear it, when they couldn't hear it. And there are times that sort of, that sort of made me feel a little strange. I also feel like the threat of them was hard to quantify. Uh, on the one hand, what happened in the very beginning, that shocking scene is is pretty impactful. But like, I had trouble at times, and the only reason I had trouble, and it's the, I, I actually blame the movie for this, because I, I started thinking bigger than I should have. Uh, like when I, when I did my little summary of the movie, I said it, it takes a very intimate take on this particular, this particular travesty, right? This, this, this post-apocalyptic moment, right? And I kind of like that intimate thing, but I really, really, really wish they would not have through a series of newspaper clippings, uh, the, you know, the, the crazy psychopath wall uh, conveyed a whole bunch of exposition about how the world has been taken over by these. Because once they did that, I started trying to, to make sense of that. And to me, I couldn't. And like, there were a lot of things about the entire premise that I felt you really had to suspend your disbelief. And, and well, I usually what am. I liked about that, like if maybe they would have a little bit less of clippings and just kept it the whiteboard, you know what I mean? If it was just the yeah. whiteboard of information and because that whiteboard had pretty much all the exposition you needed. It's like, these are what we know. These are the yeah. three things that we know. And these are the I things don't that agree. Are, uh, I don't agree. Mean. I don't think I just don't think they should have anything like that. To me, I don't think they should have had anything like that. I think it should have just been about the terror of this family having to face this. And I actually almost find that it would have been even more, it would have been even more terrifying to not know like what the heck is going on around the world and why is nobody coming? And if nobody's coming, that means that they're all I would rather have that had that happen because when I started thinking about it, it just didn't make sense. Like it's just like and, and I think it's because they, to me, I don't think they did an adequate job in the very beginning of the movie establishing just how strong and invincible that the, the, these, these creatures really are because like they're not actually all that invincible. Like we see in the movie that they have a fairly obvious weakness. Like they're a creature that relies primarily on its ability to hear and use sound for echolocation and their weakness is obvious. It's, it's, I don't want to like spoil it too much, but like when you see it, I feel like it's like, well, yeah, duh. And like of the 7 billion people on the planet, no one thought to maybe try that at some point, you know? So, you know, I mean, everyone knew that it had to do with sound. Everyone knew that it had to do with this type of thing. It was in the newspapers. It's very clearly on the newspapers that it's about sound. This isn't something John Krasinski's character personally discovered. This is something that was in the newspapers. And so because of those little things, like I kept, I, you know, I kept getting caught up. My mind kept getting caught up on those types of things. Like, ah, man, this threat seems really inconsistent at times. Now take all of that out. You take all of that, those, the, the global context out of it. And to me, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think I, I completely agree with everything you said about the family dynamics kind of driving the movie. I think like, part it, of it, the reason why I got so delved into it, because I think the, the more important story was that dynamic. Like, 
I, I don't disagree I with don't that, but that. if you put it in the movie, I feel it's fair game to criticize. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think the reason why I kind of, you know, ignored it to a point was because I really enjoyed mm-hmm. the rest of the storytelling, the rest of the interaction and the acting. So, like, I was so I was so enamored by that part that I was like, you know what, even if there might be some plows, I'm sure there is, mm-hmm. I'm more enthralled by this part of the movie about how how well done like the visual storytelling stuff's done yeah and i totally get that that's why i said i think it's about how far are you willing to suspend your disbelief and like you were willing to go further than me and like for me i got caught up on it and you know and maybe it's because like what i do you know on my normal job you know my day-to-day job i'm like reading all sorts of like writing done by students there wasn't a lot of geometry in this yeah there was not a lot of geometry um, I do think that, and like there are other things. Like one of the one of the things that they do is uh, he takes his son down to the river, and I'm not spoiling anything here. This is no big deal. He takes him down to the river, and while down at the river, he's talking like normal. He's screaming. Like my question was, like, why don't you just live by the river? Like that was the only then, question that I had. Like, and then my other question is, like, waterfall. wait. Yeah, like, wait, 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 wait. If something like a river, which honestly, in comparison to the types of sounds that human beings can actually produce, especially in big cities, is enough to confuse them and not let them hear you, then how the hell did they ever take over a New York or a London or a Tokyo, you know? Like, so, and that's what I mean. Like, they opened up that type of consideration for me by these, like, by the, what I think are, or kind of like the cheesy newspaper like here's the newspaper headline as if like we're a culture that still relies so heavily on like newspaper culture, you know, like we really don't. So like, those are like really, honestly, I'm, I'm really splitting hairs. Like I'm totally splitting hairs with the movie. Like if you just ignore those types of things. Just, I like, loved it. You can't change my mind. I'm not trying okay. to, I don't care. I would never want to change your mind. Um, I do, I don't know. Like there are times with some of the people, like when, like there's a lot of argument over like who's to blame for this or who's to blame for that. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you should be blamed for that. And like, yes, definitely, you should be blamed for that. You all make very Every, good cases. Everybody's correct. Every everybody's one of right. you, with the exception of like the little kid who goes down to the river. Other than that, everybody is your fault. Absolutely. Like some more so than others. Um, so yeah, and then also like the birth. Like, man, that was fast. Like, okay. Yeah, like, but you know, really quick. who knows? You know, it's a movie. I'm so not a doctor. And movies, you know, births and movies always happen, from what I understand, yeah. uh, way faster than in real life. <laughs> um, but if these are like the only gripes I can come up with, like I'm being really, I'm being really tedious. Like over, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I thought it was well worth my time. I highly recommend it for anyone. Oh, see. absolutely. This I is definitely. This is like to me. Uh, this is like a B B plus type movie for me. Like it's 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 super high up there. I would. I'm definitely gonna watch it again when it comes out. Um, and I have no regrets, you know, spending the money on it. So. All right. I, All right. That's a quiet nice. place out in theaters now. Uh, so go take a look. Highly recommended from both of us. All right. So I think we're done with that breakdown. Uh, we're going to move over to, oh gosh, it's my solo segment. Yeah, for get the this week. done, oh, man. Yeah. Get it done. Okay. Yeah. Now it's time for a little role play. Wait, nope, nope. That's the wrong role play. All right, so this is my moment to shine. This is my role play corner. Uh, it's where I'm just going to talk a little bit about the role playing campaign uh, that I am currently running for my small uh, role play group, and also kind of reflect a little bit on different aspects of kind of tabletop role playing, just in general. Um, 
if you listen to the first episode, I talked a little bit about how my group has taken on a Starfinder campaign. I am the GM of that campaign. Uh, I have a group that's five, but has recently grown to six, actually. Uh, and we are exploring Starfinder, which is a spin-off of the Pathfinder rule set, except this one's set in space. Uh, so it's a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of, a little bit of sci-fi going on in here. Um, so I think what I'm going to try to do with these little segments, I'm going to talk a little bit about the story and what's going on in the campaign. And then I'm also going to talk maybe about one specific or two specific aspects of being a, being a GM or running a role-playing game or something, or maybe just a rule set. Uh, and so if you listen to episode one, you know that the group that I'm running my, my game for, uh, they are a... They're a starship crew uh, on a ship called the Dereva, and they work for a company called Drift Runners Unlimited. And it's a, just a, a company that gave a structure for me to give out uh, intermittent missions from time to time, where they actually have to go out and do odd jobs here and there. Um, so what they initially had to do, like the opening mystery, like the, the thing that tried to, the inciting incident that's sort of propelling the whole story forward was that one of their sister ships called the Touchstone has gone missing. Uh, and without a trace. And this is like the flagship specifically of the company. Uh, and so they were supposed to rendezvous with the touchdown at one point and the touchdown never showed up. And now in between their own odd jobs and missions, they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. And so one of the more, I guess about a month or two ago, one of the jobs that they were on was they were looking to help a group of eco-terrorists and whatnot. Uh, but then afterwards they were able to find a missing clue, a, a clue about the, the missing missing ship. Um, and specifically, it was a set of security footage clips of a of the touchstone or a ship matching the touchstone's description within a specific spaceport on the planet Verses. And Verses is kind of in the same, in their home system. And it's a very technologically advanced but tidally locked world. So it's a very narrow set of land onto which uh, this, this population can live. Uh, so from an espionage specialist who uh, was a con connected to their boss, uh, they gained access to some security footage and it showed two things. One of them was that there was this random act of violence against this benevolent religious temple on Verses by a group of individuals that were dressed in these very gaudy and, and grimy yellow cloaks. And then they got another set of, uh, of security footage from the spaceport itself and it was showing those same individuals climbing aboard the touchstone uh, and part of this this latter clip was a moment where one of the individuals in the cloaks kind of pulls their cloak back and reveals uh, a, a striking resemblance to the touchstone's captain which is a woman uh, named jasminian sands uh, and now like kind of an extra wrinkle in the mystery is the dereva the crew they had to consider what is the touchstone has it actually been stolen or is it just the crew's gone rogue and if they had like this is crazy why would they do such a horrible thing to this this benevolent religious group and so they decided to head the verses to do some investigation they started canvassing around the spaceport they hacked into some records they found a security official had recently been filed for deleting files uh, that likely pertain to the touchstone and so what they did what they did is they tracked her down they they went to her her home her apartment uh, and they started, you know, interrogating her a little bit. She was a little drunk and confused about what happened. Her memory has clearly been altered in some fashion. So whoever they're chasing down has the ability to kind of screw with memory. And about an hour into their interrogation, a sniper on the uh, on a rooftop of a neighboring of a neighboring building began firing on the apartment. 
completely pinning down all the players and actually killing the witness. Uh, and when they when they eventually were able to get out from their pinned positions, they noticed that the sniper was also one of those individuals dressed in what has become kind of the yellow cloak iconic uh, figure of perhaps the villains of the story. And they tried to give chase. And it was really funny and terrifying at, at a certain point because on, on Versys, the buildings are gigantically tall because again, it's tightly locked. So there's a very small sliver of land onto which uh, the population can build and those cities tend to grow really vertically. So this, so this actual buildings are like 140 stories high, right? So one of my players, uh, Brax, uh, he is a dragon kin. He has his ability to fly. And so he scoops up a couple of the small people, like the small races are about three feet tall or so. And he just hops out the window and starts flying in the direction of the sniper who is just like chucking all sorts of crazy shots at these people doing a ton of damage. And this could have gone like super bad because if he would have died while flying, not only does he die, but the people he's carrying also die because they're going to fall 140 stories down to the actual surface of the city. Now, luckily that didn't happen. Uh, and eventually one of the other players decides to hotwire this hover vehicle, or I should say flying car. Uh, and they chase, they try to chase down the sniper who also gets into a vehicle. Uh, and so they have this big old high flying car chase uh, in between these skyscrapers in between these buildings. And eventually they slam into, they like they start shooting at each other along the way. They're firing pistols. They're driving through holographic advertisements. They're ramming their cars into one another. It sounds All like episode two. It does. It's a little, it's a little episode <laughs> two. Totally That's like my favorite part of episode two, actually. It's the only good so, part. Yeah. So what? You don't like it when Padma and Anakin rolling around. And they when we talk about clones for two hours? Car. No, I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> so okay. So I, I'm bringing this last bit up because like, to me, like the way I describe it, there's these cars, they're weaving in and out of traffic. They're trying to dodge civilian ships. They're trying to avoid, you know, all of the cops that are coming. There's all sorts of these crazy futuristic advertisements, ARG and VR that are like interspersed, you know, interspersed between the buildings and such. They're firing lasers out of the side of their cars. Like it all sounds great, right? It all sounds fantastic. The problem is, is that when it actually transpired at the table, I felt like the moments itself was lacking. And I thought that this was certainly a possibility, like that we could get into a car chase. So I made sure that I looked up the rules because Starfinder actually has rules for how chase sequences work. And one of the, the only real complaint I've had about Starfinder, because overall, I, I really do enjoy it, is that sometimes I find that certain rules get in the way of fairly cool moments. And I feel like this happened a little bit with chasing. So in the, in the Starfinder core rulebook, the Paizo goes to really great lengths to provide structure for how to, you know, how to run a chase sequence. They, they designed a system where there's like three separate zones and each of these zones try to quantify the distance between, um, between each vehicle, right? So they're like hundred feet away or 200 feet away, et cetera. And over the course of the chase, like you can kind of move to separate zones on your turn. And if you ever fall a certain amount of zones behind whoever is you're chasing, you're kind of out of the chase at that point, right? And there's ways to like ram into one another. There's ways to pull up next to one another and board and hop over top of it, you know, hop, hop over to somebody else's, uh, else's car. But it, the structured nature of it was kind of strange. Now, most RPGs, at least the ones I've played, uh, and that's mainly D&D and Cypher System and, and, and Starfinder as well, they have a combat system that's separate from all the other pillars of the game. And so combat has usually relatively rigidly defined turns and initiative order. Um, where everyone kind of takes their turn and they get to go. Whereas conversations, social aspects, puzzles, investigations are all more fluid. Now, I 
I definitely think that structured combat is really useful. Everyone gets a turn, everyone, it's it's somewhat democratic, right? Everyone gets to do something and and who hits who first is actually kind of important because you could kill somebody, you could kill one of the NPCs and then they can't fire back, right? But for some reason, I found that the, the chase rule structure to be intrusive. Uh, and maybe this is my fault because in my head, I envisioned the very thing that I was describing above, which was like this fantastic, high flying chase sequence that's over a thousand feet up in the air multiple levels holographic advertisements civilian cars people freaking out left and right big old dragons trying to hop from one car to the next trying to rip the roof off the top of and try to take the yellow cloak guy out of his car but that's not really what happened instead because of the system like we just moved one chunk like one block of people like one grid forward and then we moved like one block of people one block after them and like over and over and over we went they're just like and they're just like i'm gonna move you one and okay i'm gonna move you one okay i'm gonna shoot at this guy okay i'm gonna shoot at that guy and it didn't really feel like there was a whole lot to do it now like in retrospect like one of the things i wish i did more of was kind of instead of following the specific structure which i i admittedly i appreciate that paizo gives the structure, tries to give people some sort of structure for it. But maybe it's just me. Maybe I wanted more theater of the mind. I didn't want it grid-based. Uh, I wanted it to be kind of quick, kind of exciting, a nice little interlude between smaller moments that was supposed to really kind of get us somewhere a little bit faster. Instead, it kind of bogged down and it took a really long time. Um, now, Again, I'm, I might try it again. I'm not ready to dismiss the chase rules entirely because I've only done it once. It was the first time we did it. And since it's the first time we did it, you never know. Um, and so I'm probably going to try it at some other point if the, the players make choices that put them into a situation where it would make sense to, to have that happen. Um, but I definitely always consider, are the rules here helpful or are the rules something that we can probably kind of look past and, and for the hope of kind of cooler moments? Um, so next time, uh, I'm going to talk about what happens specifically at the end of that chase scene because they both, both the, the yellow cloak, the sniper, and my players, they all landed on top of a tower that I am calling the Tominaka Tower, and I'm making all sorts of oh diehard references. God. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm also going to talk a little bit about how to weave, or how at least I weave, various personal quests and stories into my campaigns. Uh, so that's my little role play, role play corner. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for listening. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, so our Gentleman's Challenge is a segment where the two of us try to drive each other a little crazy uh, by having each other watch something or do something, play something that we most likely would never choose to do so. Uh, on our own accord. And then to ensure that the other has actually done what they were asked to do, we quiz them in the next episode. I'm playing with pronouns there. Uh, so for this week, uh, Justin's gonna lead us off. So Justin, what did I ask you to do? You asked me to uh, watch the 1980-something, I don't know what it was, <laughs> masterpiece <laughs> that is Solar Babies. Woo, um, yes I did. Uh, what a movie. It uh, actually has nothing to do with babies at all. Um, it's actually the name yeah. of their roller skating gang. That's true. Where they play like a combination of rollerball, like roller derby, with mm -hmm. highlight and lacrosse. Right. Because they got like a highlight stick. And it's not like a real highlight stick. It's like that stick. 
You know when you like you go it's to the like beach. Like a lacrosse stick is how I think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a lacrosse stick, but it's not a net. You know when you go to the beach and you have that ball with like the hook on it. It's that that you throw back and forth. Right. It's not the. Yeah. It's, there's two beach toys with a ball. There's I know the, what you're talking. There's about. the uh, Velcro mat with the fuzzy ball, right? That's one of them. The other one's like a scoop where you can throw a ball back and forth with it. Right? There's also a volleyball, I think. No, no, no. Those are the only two things. I like to think of the movie as Mad Max meets roller skating Pretty meets much. lacrosse meets Beverly Hills 90210. It's Xanadu Mad Max is what it is. <laughs> okay. So uh, basically it's the year 41 because the world has reset and now it's now the year 41 after the reset. And exactly. the world, this is very much Mad Max uh, Fury Road because the world no longer has water. Um, they're limited true. through water. There's no more like atmosphere producing rain. Yeah, so it's like the opposite of Kevin Costner's Waterworld. Right? Yes, um, exactly. So in this world, there are orphanages that take care of people. I don't know what happens to their parents. They don't talk about that. Um, but basically, kids are held within orphanages and it's like a place where they can also do like internment camp work it's not very clear what these orphanages right. are right. but basically you have it's a like a ymca yeah but, but they also know, dig holes way for no worse reason. than that yeah. so it stars um first off it's directed by uh nalan uh yeah nalan johnson it, it's a weird name uh so he he directed it looked at his credits didn't really direct anything else he has something to do with... Again, uh, as I said with Kroll, why, once yeah. you direct something He's so got some weird credits, good. though, because like, he What's has to do with Dracula dead and loving it and a couple of other... And uh, he has ties to... Uh, uh, what's his name? Mel, Mel Brooks. Because okay. he has something to do with uh, History, History of the World. He had something oh, to do with Dracula dead and loving it. He had something to do with... Uh, um, Blazing Saddles. So, like, the guy, he, this must have been, like, his first time going out and do something. And what a first try. Uh, oh, fantastic. Written by... Swing yeah. and crushed it to left field. Written like by Waylon Green, Ooh. who's done nothing other than this, obviously. Um, it stars an insane amount of people that exactly. are familiar. <laughs> it's star-studded cast. It legitimately is. Which is it the is craziest know, thing. Kind of, yeah. So, you have... Uh, uh, is it Jan- uh, Janet Gert? J- J- Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz, uh, she was, re- most recently she was in a sitcom with Robert Baratheon called Still Standing, where she was his... Robert Baratheon. Yeah, Robert Baratheon, he was in a TV show in like the early 2000s, where she played his wife. Or, yeah. Uh, it also stars Jason Patrick, Dr. Manhattan is the lead of this movie. Um, okay. Lucas Haas, who's been in a trillion movies. Yes, uh, you would totally recognize him. And he kind of looks like him. Yeah. Like he, like he's like a miniature version yeah. of his adult self. That's, um, that's... He was like the lead like young male actor in Mars Attacks. He was... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. He was in The Revenant. He was the child in Witness. He was in Inception. He's been in a ton of movies. Like You see his face, you're like, oh, I know that person. Yeah. You may not know who he is. Yeah. Um, and also has uh, Peter DeLewis, who's been in Stargate and stuff. There's a ton of people. Like, you don't know who Peter DeLewis is, but when you see him, you're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Another and then there's, yeah, actors. there's a bunch of there's a bunch of actors in there that are also really familiar. Like, but maybe don't have like. 
big movies, you know. The big bad lady, uh, she uh, she was the bad. She was the big bad in Willow too, uh, which is also yeah. That's another thing. I was like, where have I seen this lady from before? Yeah, it's like it's like we'll that. Anyways, I, I feel terrible, but yeah. So uh, the the sing kid, its praises, Justin. There's a little Please. kid named Lucas Haas who finds an orb that can make it rain, and the company that owns the orphanages drops singles from the sky on yeah yeah well, the company that dropped that that uh that owns the orphanages wants to destroy it because then it means that they don't have control it's a dumb movie uh but i will say that i didn't mind it it was pretty decent you you're know? a dumb movie it was good like for a kid's it movie, was it's great for a kids movie it wasn't bad yeah There's it's way of, better than the movie you the gave. only thing i found the whole time was why the hell are these people wearing skates? It doesn't mean it almost becomes. How else are you gonna get around? Come on, man. A walking, like the why walk? The when skates you can roll? seemed more yeah. of a hindrance than a help to anything they were doing. Like, hey, we gotta run away from these guys. I can't Did get you traction see with them my feet. Jump the gorge? Come on, you can't. Oh, you can't. God. You can't do that. On you have to. You have to have skates for that. I mean, there were people with with motorcycles and they couldn't do it. Right. It's purely and a kid's movie. People with motorcycles that couldn't jump the gorge. It's a kid's movie, and it's fine. But then there's also, like, weird undertones, like, there's a moment with, like, hookers, and, like, <laughs> strange. Yes. And then yes. the, the main villainous woman dies in a horrific way at the end. The main yeah. villain dies in a horrific way. Like, this is not, it's not a kid's movie now. It's, like, exactly. really bad. It's the best kind of kid's movie. Yeah, where people die in horrific ways. Where you watch, and you're like, whoa, wait, they did that. This <laughs> is rough. That's probably bad. Let's prove that's the 80s. Anyways, it's... Pure garbage, but it was entertaining. So uh, I, I say it. the same thing about you. Oh, every good, day. perfect then. So, what are your quiz questions you got for me then? Okay, I actually got I think five. Um, so, what's the name of the big bad corporate group? Nice little softball for you. Oh, no. are you serious? I know that the Don't. cops were called E cops. That, that's true, they were, but that's not what I'm talking about. Crap. You think I would have written that one down? I thought you would have gone that. I, I honestly picked that one because I wanted you to get a nice easy one. The corporation. Oh, it was a good guess. It's actually ah. the protectorate or the e protectorate. I don't remember that at all. Wow. They mentioned it several times, actually. Okay. okay. Uh, so that's over one. That's all right. All right. All right. Good start. You can come back from. All right. Okay. What, what's the name of the tribe that Senator Nathan Petrelli brings Bodai to? <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned he was in this movie. I'm like, where is he at? And then We're he plays like this Adrian weird. Pazdar. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, who? Where is he at? And then he shows up like this weird shaman. I'm like, this is the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It's so so I wrote this one down. I'm writing oh, really? now. They oh, were the Chikani. That is correct. The Chikani. Right? I knew who for a fact. I'm like, he's gonna say, who are these people? Because okay. it was yeah. such a small thing. And they torture one by putting ants all over him. Oh, I know. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Like, what the heck is this movie? That, that, that whole tribe basically gets wiped out. So. Yeah, yeah. Good okay. job, Nathan. Ugh. By the way, his name was Dark Star. Pay attention. Dar Star. Whatever. Dar Star. Get an owl. You whatever. didn't pay attention. That's a mistake. That's uh, that's actually one of the questions. Um, sorry to say, you said what? Dark Star. Uh, the next question was, what was Senator Nathan Petrelli's character's that's, name? It's so hard to hear this movie. And you said you said Dark like, Star. I have and the I'm name. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm actually. I know. I know that's. Uh, that's definitely something different. I think. I think I'm. I'm right in this. I think I'm right in this. Okay. Um. All right. You mentioned hookers. Okay. 
I prefer the term prostitute or okay. woman, uh, woman of the sands. Okay. Uh, what is the going rate for prostitutes in Tire Town? Oh, what was it? Uh, was it 50 cents? Oh, that is also incorrect. It is two quarts for a couple of hours. I thought two quarters. Listen. The, to quarts, quarts of water, this, not quarters. This movie has the worst like sound because the ball's the name is Bodai, right? But then they has like a Bodai. real name. I couldn't understand what they said. It was mm. like I put the sphere of launchness. Mm. What I feel Did is not should... right. Launchness. <laughs> no I couldn't idea. understand I what these people were saying. I was like, "What is that?" Uh. So I feel like I should get. One point out of you those did, two. You got you got the one that you got right. You got you one get a, right. A half credit no. for two of them, which equals no. One. You're crazy. That's God. nuts. All okay. Right. okay. All right. So that's what are you one for four? Whatever. It doesn't matter. This movie okay, is you're garbage. One for four. <laughs> you said you're, you're you're such a baby. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. This one's this one's an open-ended question. Okay. Uh, what is dumber? Roller skates with flashlights taped onto them. Okay. Or dogs with flashlights taped onto them. Wait. I need you to explain your answer. Hold on. I don't remember seeing dogs with flashlights on their heads. Was it yes. like legit? I didn't say on heads? their heads, but they were legit. They were legit flashlights attached okay. to dogs. I think they were Dobermans, if I recall. I would say on the skates because what are they lighting up? Maybe about like a foot to foot and a half in front of them, and like a dog with a light on it on it sounds adorable to me. So that's that's going to be my answer. I'm going to say that. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that is incorrect. The correct answer, <sighs> the correct awful. answer was dogs with flashlights taped onto them, uh, is dumber. I feel like um, this because is, uh, not fair. first of all, dogs weird. can actually see in the dark somewhat. Okay. Uh, so they, right. they don't need the flashlights. Uh, and secondly, it, it's it's probably abuse to tape or tie a flashlight to a dog. Probably. Uh, and then thirdly, it actually kind of makes sense to some degree to have flashlights on roller skates because if it illuminates the, the few feet in front of you, then it's illuminating the potential terrain that you're about to roll over. And if you're about See to roll over a die. big crack, yeah, and so you know, okay, I gotta, I gotta adjust. You know, you're right, you're right. I was completely wrong on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, so bad decisions, uh, Justin. Uh, you might be taking notes. <sighs> I just don't Not know what enough. you're taking notes on. Chicani, I had that. You did. I was really impressed. I didn't think you were gonna get that one, <laughs> and I thought for sure. Also, she had a tattoo of a fountain on her hand. And I thought for sure that you were going to get the prostitute one. Uh, I'm <laughs> so Justin's definitely paying attention right now. Okay, you got one correct. One out of five. All right. So, Jeff, that was my uh, monstrosity of a challenge. What was your challenge this week? Uh, the Boss Baby. Uh, okay. The Boss Baby is an animated film from 2017. It's put out by DreamWorks Animation. It's It stars Alec Baldwin's disembodied voice. As Boss Baby, which is, I mean, honestly, like the dumbest name for a movie or a baby. I mean, ugh, it's terrible. Uh, other people are in it. Steve Buscemi, Lisa Kudrow. Uh, there's other people. Whatever. Uh, Tim Templeton. This is, this is the kind of main character focal point. Uh, he's a seven-year-old only child. Uh, there's a bit of a voiceover. I think it's Tobey Maguire. That's his adult self kind of looking back. And we I was learn. trying to figure out who it was. It's I think it's Tobey Maguire. I couldn't figure uh, it out. So anyway, Tim's got a great 
life as an only child. Uh, he is the center of attention. And all of this is completely upended when Baldwin's boss baby arrives uh, in a cab, uh, taking taking on his you know the role of younger brother and drawing all of the attention that Tim was used to having towards him. Um, so including like what is it the the song that, that they sing the specialty song. Um, so Baldwin's character, even though he looks like a baby, is actually a corporate official for Baby Corps. Uh, which is the company that runs whatever the hell nonsense this is about, uh, and he's not actually here to be a baby, but he's uh, he's a he's to do some corporate espionage against Puppy Co., uh, which is the company that Tim's parents work for. Apparently, apparently, this is the, this is so dumb. There is a finite amount of love in the world. I mean, there's only so much love to go around, and puppies have statistically overtaken babies in this in this department. Uh, and Puppy Co. is planning to release a new kind of puppy. Are you not listening to your synopsis? This is the most adorable movie ever made. And, and <laughs> Boss dirty. Baby needs to stop it. Bunch of stuff happens. There's like Elvis impersonators. Uh, there's a big fat kid who likes cookies. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, there's a happy ending. Duh. Uh, who cares? So yeah, that's Boss Baby. Yeah, it was. What do I think of it? Man, whatever. Like... Oh, I just, uh, I do uh, kids movies. It's like, adorable. The whole movie is adorable. I want my kids movies to be scarring. Okay. <laughs> I want them to be like solar babies where I have to watch a person get eaten by ants, something like that. I want it like, yeah, it's horrifying. Where I got to see a seven foot tall cyclops get squished into a freaking doorway. And I want it to traumatize me for the next 38 years of my life or so. So that I can do a, a podcast with one of my friends. That's what I want. There's no kid who's watching <laughs> Boss Baby right now who 38 years from now is going to be like, you know what we should do? We should do a podcast. No. Nah, nah, I'm making them soft. That's what we're doing. It's growing. Uh, like, I know, I know some people like it. I do. I know. And, you know, good for you if you like it. But just get it out of my... Just, you, listen, uh, your synopsis is the most adorable <laughs> synopsis. Someone sat down in a room and said, listen... We got Baby Co and Puppy Co. They're fighting <laughs> okay. over love. It's Baby Core. Baby Core and Puppy Baby Co. Corp. They're yeah. fighting over love. Yeah. That's... Come on. It's so good. Yeah, I disagree. If if the entire movie <laughs> lasted as long as my, my synopsis, I would have enjoyed it. But it didn't. It lasted an hour and a half. Dude, I'm telling you, I was, I was struggling. I was like, this is... <laughs> I was so bored. I was so bored. Like... There are a couple funny things here and there. I mean, obviously, like, there's funny jokes here and there. But, like, overall, I was just like, gosh, will this please be over? I really thought about quitting and just being like, whatever, I'm going to bomb the quiz. I don't care. Uh, but I, I stuck through to the end. What are your damn you. questions? Okay. What are your questions? All right, Ring so it. question one of our quiz. I did a four-piece four today. Okay, uh, go for it. Question one. Yeah. Uh, where did his parents like what department of baby corp did uh because they both his parents worked at baby corp right no they yeah. worked at they worked at puppy corp they worked at puppy Co. Pu puppy Co. so what department did they work in his parents uh timothy's parents new puppy development i have no idea they worked in the marketing department uh this is also near and dear to me because cool. i got my uh, uh degree in marketing and now have wasted that and now i've taught teach taught uh, geometry for seven years so that little trip down your story of uh, your life story was about as entertaining as the boss baby good i'm glad you had a good time uh question <laughs> two 
Uh, what is Timothy's middle name? Uh, let's see. Uh, his is Leslie. Is his is it. Leslie, and then eventually the the other one I think is Lindsay, but he I gets think... Leslie. Yeah, yeah, it was Leslie. That's good. Okay, that's a, a big joke. So that's one one point. Let me give you a little check mark there, right? right about okay right there. All okay. right. Uh, next question: What is the name of Tim uh, Timothy's pet stuffed animal? Oh, uh, Lamb Lamb. Oh, that's a good one too. That's a two for two for three, my friend. Let me another check here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And finally, Please this is a, this will be a tough stuff. one. I only mentioned once. Oh, what wow. is okay. Puppico's mascot's name? Oh, oh crap! Oh, that thing was so creepy. I was rooting for that. Thing that was pretty time. good. That's pretty funny moment where he's like, "Oh man, man. Um, yeah." I thought it was actually kind of funny when they like walked into the yeah. Hole, he's just staring at him. and he's just sitting there, and they're like, "Do you want to go? Do you want to go take a picture with that person?" <laughs> <laughs> I almost just dropped an f bomb. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, and then, like, they do the whole... The name of Puppico's mascot's name. What is it? Oh, my God. Mm. I'm telling you, I know it. I know it. Puppico's mascot's name. Uh, uh, I can't remember. You're killing me with this one. Oh, my God, I'm so mad. I'm going to be so mad when I hear it. Mascot's name. <sighs> I can't. We're gonna have to get an answer Remember. here soon. I can't. I oh, I can't. I give up. I don't know. I don't know. Puppico Pete. Puppico Pete. Okay. That's right. His name. So I you are two for four today. That's fine. Uh, congratulations. Yep, Whatever. Your movie was complete utter garbage. All right. Dude, Boss yours Baby was made terrible. money. Boss Baby made money, and the synopsis is oh. the most adorable synopsis okay, ever. First thought of all, of. Boss Baby got a fifty on the Metacritic score. Okay. What, it's Metacritic what score. Is, 50. What did Solar Babies get? 9,000? I mean, oh, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, don't, believe you, I don't know. It's probably too old. It's got a 4.8 on IMDb, <laughs> right? Which is about right. Uh, That's less than Boss Baby. Boss Baby's got 6.3. But, like, the thing is, though, like, Boss Baby is one of those movies to me that no one's no one's going to ever talk about or give a crap about 20 sure. years now. Whereas, right. like, Solar Babies has the, this weird... No one even knew it existed. It. No one even knew it existed. That's not true. That's not true. You you do Google searches for, like, what are the worst 80s movies ever? And, like, Solar Babies <laughs> is popping up not, on those lists. You're not man. helping out your argument right now. I'm not saying it's, like, a great movie. I'm just saying it it has... There's something about it. It's got okay. an it factor. And Boss Baby was just... I don't know. Boss Baby is funny because Boss Baby was about corporate right it's about corporate structure brought to babies like that movie felt like a corporate creation like it was made not by somebody who had like a really interesting story to tell but instead by someone that's just like let's just tick all the boxes right let's just do all the generic easy jokes and let's just do that i thought like, it was adorable i think you're dumb all right so jeff <laughs> it's the uh time of our podcast challenge. where we take our time to uh come up with a oh. new challenge New challenge. Uh, I have one for you ready to go, and I'm excited about this. Um, I was worried that I was sending you down the same path. I want to try and mix things up a little bit. I thought this might be interesting. So you're going to have to watch. So what you're telling me is is this is not something that has superheroes, uh, animated babies, or teen angst. No, no. There might be teen angst. We'll see. Um, But I'm a giant fan of the Full Metal Alchemist anime. It's my favorite anime. I would like you to watch the new Netflix movie. That is the live adaptation (laughs) of Full Metal Alchemist. I've seen the preview as scrolling by. I have too. 
That's and Dear Lord, it looks terrible. I want to know yeah. what it's like. You tell me if it's good or not, whether or not I should waste my time. All right, so you got to watch Full Metal Alchemist uh, on Netflix. So that's what you I hate watch. you. Like you just, you're yeah, just a bad person. That's good stuff. What you got for me? All right, so I like to do my challenges and trilogies. Uh, so, so this is the '80s trilogy, whereas the first trilogy I began, which started during our, you know, during our, our test phase. practice episodes, our test episodes, the not for public release episodes, uh, that one was a bad CBS summer summer television shows. Glad we uh, said so the this that. was come on, like that's one of these days when we make it big, we'll release those. We'll look back. Uh, but. Uh, so to round out the trilogy of 1980s movies, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give you a movie called uh, They Live. It's a John now, Carpenter movie. This is a huge uh, cult classic, but I don't think I've ever really watched it. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen I know there's a bunch of references to it, like zombie faces and stuff like that with sure, glasses sure, sure, sure. and yeah, yeah. It's got gum. it's got Rowdy Rowdy Piper. It's got the yeah. greatest fight scene in the history, of which is kind. referred to in uh, South Park. South Park. So yeah. I'm okay with that. So I've never actually watched it though. So. Uh, I I mean this with the utmost sincerity. Like Krull and Solar Babies are they're not good movies, but they're like bad movies that I like to watch just because they're kind of fun. I like I actually enjoy watching bad movies sometimes. Like when they're comically bad, not when they're just mediocre bad, like Boss Baby. I genuinely love and think They Live is a fantastic movie. All right, and it's got so a lot of this. So uh, I'm looking forward, looking forward to how you see it. All right. All right, All right Justin, uh -huh. I think yeah. we need to tell them where to, where to find us uh, on the interwebs, on the internets. Okay. Uh, so you can find us online at lollygaggerco.com, L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Uh, now, many people are just starting to realize this, but Justin is the world's uh, most professional streamer. Uh, he Boy, is fantastic at it. How yeah. do you get to be the most professional? You are more so professional I wear, I wear than all of the other professionals. Okay. Yeah. Right. On the level of professionalism. Yeah, you can find Excellent. me on uh, twitch.tv slash Jehufa. All right, that's uh, J-E-H-O-O-F-A-H. So twitch.tv slash Jehufa, that's where you can find me at. And, I'm on there playing video games all the time, so you guys can see me on there all the time. I'm so proud of you. You're so confidently spelling your name. It's excellent. Well, I am looking at it on a piece of paper. So. <laughs> there you go. It's good to take notes. Did you not hear this part? I should have heard that part. Is. Okay. Okay. Uh, that makes for great radio. All right, man. Uh, I think it's time then. That, oh, yeah. Uh, we say a few thank yous to all the people out there supporting us. I would like to begin with a little-known friend by the name of ESPN, also okay. Northwestern Mutual. Almost every morning for the past two weeks, I've watched ESPN programming and I've seen the Northwestern uh, Mutual commercial that uses Flo Rida's My House song, and every single day I've had it in my head for the rest of the afternoon. So to ESPN and Northwestern Mutual, thank you. To the guy who uh, is doing our logos right now, he's doing a great job. We're currently working on it. I want to thank you because when I did my percentage of money we had to send you at the beginning and uh, my wife saw the conversion rate, uh, she lost her mind because she thought that uh, I was charged 1200 bucks because you live in another country and she doesn't understand that that wasn't a dollar sign. So I want to thank you for that. To my dog, Ripley. 
the only being I've ever encountered that drools more at the sign at the sight of me eating potato chips than Justin. Thank you. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I'd like to uh, finally thank uh, uh, tacos. Because uh, cause tacos are great. Tacos, the sideways sandwich. <laughs>